You could have heard this episode 40 hours early on our Patreon, patreon.com slash IndieHeadsPodcast. By joining us for as low as $1 a month, we'll receive episodes early and gain access to our Discord server. All of our upcoming episodes will be available up on our Patreon 48 hours before it hits our public podcast feeds. But if you're hearing this via our Patreon feed, we want to thank you so much for your support. We especially want to thank our Real Ones patrons, including Boo Cannon, Rob Marino, Grant McSpooky, Dave Grohl, Darian Fisher, Cal50, Al Grichmanoff, Melissa Reddig, Lily Mikowski, Tony Serafino, Chris Wade, Selectric, David Colbert, Maze Farms, Bex, Georgia Mikowski, Rachel Hartman, Noah Kurtz, Waffle113, Alex Belovich, Alec Felder, Adam Edwards, Jackson Crisp, Elizabeth, John O'Rourke, and Derek Pemberton. To become a real one, consider supporting us with a $5 a month donation, where you'll see bonus episodes every month and get a shout out at the top of the pod. Anyways, though, enjoy the episode. And welcome back to the Death Grips Discog Breakdown. I am one of your two co-hosts, Maddie at Movie and Prince on Twitter. Of course, joined by my fellow co-host, Jackie DJ Horse Jeans. Hello, hello. Very, very thrilled to be here, and very excited to be here with our guest today because I I wanted to save this till it was on the air because this is so great. Before we were recording, like obviously, like right before we get on, I tried to like listen to the album again, listen to the music videos or whatever, and I was going up and looking for live footage of any of these songs, and I pulled up a video and was watching it for a good forty five seconds before I realized I was watching Natalie's concert footage of the Jenny <laughs> Death tour of the when they played up my sleeves which is one of the only times they've played it but it was just it was just so funny to be like oh let me see if there's any live footage about my sleeves and then was watching it for a whole minute before i realized <laughs> it was it was the footage of the person who we have on today who can tell us about recording it so yes welcome welcome to the podcast natalie everyone hello hello it's me uh at natalie's not in it on twitter um and that's actually funny that you bring it up because i actually we'll get into it at some point i don't know how like immediately we want to dive into it but like this entire era of death grips has was like prime me being like fully in the trenches of like the culture and in like r slash death grips so like i have a weird sort of history with the fan culture where like there are different lasting parts of like my legacy and like where I've been as a part of it that are just floating around out there that occasionally will just come back to haunt me every like year or so. Yeah, I mean, no, them. no, no one has an uncomplicated <laughs> relationship with the Death Grips fan base. That's that's impossible. But God, I'm I'm so oh, excited speaking to of, talk, talk about this. I was going to say, speaking of, so we're recording this episode like way far in advance so by the time this is out, it'll be like weeks after I put up my pace article, but like it went up we're recording this on Tuesday, oh. the 27th <laughs> and my article went up on the 25th. Um, so this is my very late address to, to any death group fans that maybe found that article and then found the podcast. 
Um, I stand by literally everything that I said. Year of the Snitch is a bad album, and you can find out why in a couple of weeks. So uh, that that's that. Those, those are that's my that's my statement. I I don't um, entirely endorse Maddie's takes. However, uh, hose mad, hose mad, hose mad. Oh, look, you know, just the 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 Death Grips fan base is not very happy with me, folks. They're not happy with me, but I'll still listen to that garbage anyways. <laughs> Uh, but here we are. We're talking about, of course, uh, Redacted on the Moon, the follow-up to Government Plates and part one of the Powers That Be double album. And uh, background-wise, not a whole lot we know about this record, both just because <laughs> there wasn't really a whole lot happening with the band between Government Plates and this album. Basically, uh, Zach Hill said on Facebook, hey, we're working on stuff and also like I'm working on a film. And also I'm working, I'm hoping to get some hella stuff off the ground at some point soon. Of course, hella stuff didn't happen. Uh, the movie didn't happen, but there was actual attempts to make it happen. Uh, but the album did happen as we have part one of the powers that be redacted on the moon. Uh, but before we get into that, Natalie, how did you get into Death Grips? So my my journey into Death Grips was a weird one where... Um, they they started to become a thing right when I was starting college and right in the period of time where I was like heavy into like uh, college radio. So I was doing a lot of like almost sort of like outsourcing research to like what was kind of big at the time and what was kind of like becoming like really buzzed about things on like music blogs. And I somehow managed in the midst of all that, I think because of when I kind of started to get into it, like all the fervor around 2012. And it was only... I want to say 2013 when um, right around when there was the um, the shows that were the no shows. And then there was the release of birds uh, that just kind of came out of nowhere. were like the first things that I saw. And I'm almost certain that birds was actually the first song by them. I heard, which is in retrospect, like a fucking wild way <laughs> to get introduced to them. <laughs> um, but uh, when government plates had dropped, I remembered that I had checked out that song and was, and went into it as, as my first album from them did not quite know what to think as, as you could imagine a total newcomer <laughs> to them would think of that being their first album. Longtime fans didn't know what to think of that. Exactly. Album, so that's pretty fair. I, I did like it more than like a lot of people did at the time, but I think that was also because I had a really open mind with those kinds of things. Um, but after that, like it, it, it wasn't something that like I loved, but it was like so enigmatic and so strange that I kind of felt compelled to keep going through, especially hearing people talk about their previous albums to the degree that they had. And so like a few months later, I dove into like what was part of the discography at the time and got like fully into it and spent like the rest of 2013 into like the early parts of 2014, like really sort of obsessing over that, getting heavily involved in like the art death groups community um just researching the fuck out of like what was in all the stems all that sort of bullshit and then um it was right around this album dropping that i feel like it was it felt like the first big release of theirs that i felt like i was a part of and and i know that we'll we'll talk about our like histories and how we've been kind of like what this was for us like when it dropped but like i have a really fascinating like personal experience like with the exact timing of when this dropped hmm. mm -hmm. 
Well then, uh, <laughs> we, we, we even we, though this is the shortest uh, Death Grips album, you can hear it in our voice. Like there is simultaneously so much to talk about with this album, but it is so hard to like where where the fuck do we start besides the very beginning of the album? Because like this is the most impenetrable death grips album ever like we talked about in the beginning there's not a lot of context we have it's the least amount of like information we have about this there are no music videos for this album almost all the songs in this album are not in the live tours like for the bottomless pit tour and for the jenny death tour there's not any uh not uh, they will play sometimes like the first verse of up my sleeves but they don't do the rest of it so i think that it is by that nature this like mysterious object in their discography i think very intentionally so like the way that it's produced the way it's presented the way that it's written by mc ride this is just the densest fucking 30 minute album i've maybe ever heard in my entire life and i think that it is not my favorite death grips album and we'll kind of get into the things that i that i really love about it and the things that I really love this album in general. I think it's fucking incredible. I think there are very, very, very tiny nitpicks I can make here and there, but like, even still, this is a lean album. It's only eight songs. Like there doesn't really, there's less filler on this album than there is on a lot of the other Death Grips albums. And it is so, so stream of consciousness, like continuous, even more so than government plates. I would say the way that each song blends into the next one and shifts on a dime constantly. And, the way that it all feels like this one fucking crazy 30 minute, just like, I don't even know what, how to describe what it's like to listen to this out. If you are listening to this episode, you haven't heard this album. I would just do yourselves a favor and like, go listen to it because it's going to be a lot of us going like, ah, ah, I I don't, I don't understand how they made stuff that sounds (laughs) like this. What, what is this? Yes. So, uh, but however, however, it is uh, Natalie and I's favorite Death Grips album. Hell fucking yes. Um, it is, it is. A take I fully respect and admire. Which, and- here, here's the thing. I, I will say this. I, I, it's most likely because it was kind of the first one that I was like really around for. Like I was obviously around for like government plates, but like Redacted on the Moon, like that's more I was like, I was fully on the Death Grips train at that point. Like I had gotten the limited edition. Well, actually, no, that was like a couple months later where I got the limited edition, like, record store day, government plates. But I was fully on the train at this point. Like, I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, I'm a full-blown fanboy. And so this was like, holy shit. And and one element also of, like, why this record is so underrepresented is also the fact that, like, at the time, critics didn't know what to make of it. It was I got a lot of lukewarm reviews. I think mm-hmm. the only place that was, like, giving it, like, decent, you know, reviews was, like, maybe Tiny Mixtapes. And even then, it was, like, I, I was going to bring this up their top because, before I was uh, doing this, I was on the Metacritic page for uh, Death Grips, and uh, this album, Redacted on the Moon, has the second lowest Metacritic store of any Death Grips album, including Fashion Week and some other stuff. The only thing that is lower than Redacted on the Moon, Redacted on the Moon is a 70, and the only thing that's lower is Year of the Snitch, which is 69, <laughs> which uh, is perfect, I, th- I think, nice. in, nice. Many, in many ways. It's the only nice. time I'll say nice in the context of Year of the Snitch. Hey, okay. hey, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. that we'll that's get like into a couple episodes from now. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. Like the, the people did not know what 
to make of this album. And in some ways I understand, I, I think a lot of what turned off critics by this album, as we were kind of just talking about a little bit next week is this is the point where some people get sick of the bit, get sick of the, the, the provocations. And then this album comes at that point in that cycle where there's a little bit of that backlash happening. And this is the least listener friendly death grips album ever. So, like, if you're being bombarded with Death Grips culture, you're being bombarded with all these people talking about it on the internet, arguably too much. Or you, you could very much argue we are contributing to said too muchness, but, like, it was they were everywhere at this point in time, post-government plates, post-no-love-deep-web, post-money store. Like, this is the towards the peak we're reaching the the apex of death grips fandom and when you combine that kind of uh, ubiquity with an album that is so unwilling to give over to you what it like it 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 is so uh enigmatic and so uh, difficult to wrap your your brain around that especially for album reviews like when you're writing reviews for like a major publication, you're probably having to churn out a lot of reviews all the time. And like, this is the kind of album that really suffers from that because Mm. if you've only got like however much time in the week, and maybe you've got to listen to three new things that you're going to have to write a review about soon. And you're trying to wrap your brain around everything that they're jamming into this 30 minutes of material. It's just like, it's, it's really hard to, to, and I, I personally, my personal history with this i i liked this album when i first heard it but i was closer to the i don't know what the fuck to make of this reaction than the like i'm bowled over by this album and think it's a masterpiece and i have over the years creeped closer and closer to it's a masterpiece yeah to so so my personal history kind of getting into it because i feel like it's also probably important to explain like kind of the attachment that i had i i remember just because as as we've been talking about it is so unique and so fucking jarring to hear even in the context of other death grips albums uh i remember being uh kind of mostly just uh unsure of what to think of it other than just kind of being impressed by the fact that it was a thing that existed for a, a bit of time and i feel like i really only kind of came around to it to the extent i did a couple of years later um more to more than just being bowled over by it um but like uh the the timing of when this came out is like especially interesting for like where it happened when where i was when it dropped uh just because this was as i'm sure we've gotten into at the stage with with how you've discussed them uh surprise release out of nowhere they dropped it said that the second half was coming And while this was happening, uh, when it dropped, I was quite literally on a study abroad trip in Rome and, like, had no fucking internet connection and, like, mooched off of my, like, hotel's lobby's, like, shitty Wi-Fi to, like, download this, like, measly 30-minute album and then spent, like, days just wandering around a absolutely punishing heat wave of, like, over 100 degrees walking around a cemetery that was like right outside of the like hotel that we were staying in and just like listening to this over and over and trying to make sense of it. And, and like the, the stuff that like we have been like 
studying and like talking about in terms of like going to different like cathedrals and art museums too had just like a really uncanny parallelism to some of the lyricism on here so like mm-hmm. when when there are like references to things like romulus and remus and like stigmata it was like one of those like weird out of body experiences where it's like you hear something so frequently in your everyday life that you're kind of like it feels like a glitch in the matrix that somebody else is yeah. talking about them at the same time mm-hmm. so is it it's something about it like this album always kind of like feels inherently tied to that like for my experience just it feels like it's very much of a place and a time in my life yeah i i have that like there are a couple albums that either i listen to for the first time while somewhere like on vacation somewhere else or like listen to uh like just a lot while i happen to be there and that kind of a sense memory with a completely foreign place can like make that album just like stick in your craw in a completely different way because you've got all that stuff to and you're right like this is this is simultaneously the it takes everything that was going on with government plates of like the sonic experimentation and the fragmentedness and the vocal samples and we'll get into the the secret not so secret mvp of this album but (laughs) uh like the way that this this is building off of what was going on on tracks like this is violence now and big house and stuff like that but it is taking that and combining it with that album had less mc ride than ever this is like the most writing mc ride packs into a single album which is crazy because it's like so dense instrumentally and then on top of that you've got mc ride at his most like literary he's making references to mary shelley and and romulus and remus and like all and then the subject matter of this album as i'm sure we'll talk about is easily the darkest uh death grips album ever i would say it's really uh bleak and uh, a lot of people like talk about on gp and they're like wow i can't believe death grips made this song about suicide like it's crazy this is so different from them and it's like first of all (laughs) not only did they just make a whole album about suicide called redacted on the moon but there almost isn't a Death Grip song that in some way could not be described as about suicide. Like, I mean, when you watch the uh, the Full Moon Death Classic video, before the video starts, not on the, the, the like, uh, not on streaming websites, but on the video specifically, there's a little clip that plays that where someone says, we are preaching our own funeral as we go through this life. Don't forget that. And that's the first thing that starts Death Grips. So, like, mm. they... <laughs> They the stuff that they're talking about in this album is not a left turn the way that it kind of felt like in the moment and the way that in general the powers that be dealing with suicide in a much more direct like impossible to ignore kind of way like I, I think a lot of people reacted to that but I think that that's 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 run throughout their music but in the earlier stuff there's that there's that like full bot intensity and the poppiness and like all of the stuff that like makes the money store special kind of distracts from that darkness. And this album does not do that at all. It like submerges you head first in it in a really, really intense way. Exactly. Exactly. But let's just dive in. So oh let's my. play a little bit of <laughs> up my sleeves. Uh, real- <sighs> For the listeners at home. Doors and windows on. Motions on. Up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves, 
up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves, up my sleeves. Oh god, just sleeves, up my sleeves, up my It's so ominous off the bat. It's 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 probably the best it's the de it's the best death grips opener it is like the doors and windows on motion sensors on is so perfect and then just how do you even yeah <laughs> he's like coming in with like he's like like a buzzsaw bass and you have the bjork samples already kicking in ah oh, the bjork ah the thing that like I, how is the Death Grips album with Bjork samples not my favorite Death Grips album? Like, how is that, how is that even a possibility? Like, it is so appealing to exactly my bullshit. Oh my god! I, I and this is my favorite use of Bjork on the whole album. The way that the the the, the it's it, like the vocal goes up as the synth comes down, like in the second half of the measure, and like that keeps going up and down throughout the whole track, and it's so so effective. It, it creates such a weird intoxicating swirl to just start things off. I think it also it's it's very indicative of kind of a preparation for how to like how they want you to approach this album as like abrasive and confrontational as it is. It immediately marks itself for its difference compared to like pretty much every other Death Grips opener where there is that abrasiveness, there is that confrontationalness, but it's it's laced with this sort of like vulnerability and paranoia and fear and sense of mortality that I feel like is is very present throughout the rest of the album in, in such a way that um, even when it kind of gets away from it, you can feel like the sort of ripples of it in like how Ride is writing and describing all of these other sorts of things that are going throughout. The, the, the writing on this song is fucking unbelievable. Like, the whole first verse, and then into this, the first I've always known section, like, that first moment when the when the stuttering little drums and the Bjork sample kicks in, and the I've always known, I've always known, it's just the most fucking haunting thing I've ever heard in my life. It is, this is one of my favorite Death Grips songs ever, and is the one song on this album that I like I am all the way to the level of stand-in that you are for this <laughs> for for sure like this I think this song is just incredible and every single section of it keeps adding to the intensity like we're about to get to this second verse here where if you thought that first verse was intense like verse two and then especially verse three of this album just keep, the song keeps escalating and he keeps stepping up the energy level past what you thought was already like the peak and it's just it's the best like one of the best mc ride performances one of the best instrumentals they've ever it's just incredible yeah especially the the ways that this this particular set of lines are about to get to here is there's still that sort of fervent passion and like mm -hmm. intensity going throughout it but there's a sense of openness and pain to it that feels especially raw compared to it especially oh, with the lines that he's talking about here that's about to come up with his dead mother is just something like that has never come up in a previous death grip song and has never really come up afterward and it's just kind of very sort of disorienting moment where you're like knocked back by the sort of honesty of talking about this specific thing among all of the different things that Ryan has talked about in the past. Yeah, this this verse is one of my favorite MC Ride verses ever for sure. Like the performance and the writing to combine 
Oh, that whole part that oh, I should be worried. I'm temporary. Pay no mind to logical. Just don't die in a hospital. Oh, by my disease. <laughs> oh. I also wanna the um one other thing that I I'm sure I'll bring up plenty is that um actually sort of sitting with the lyrics for the first time in a while because typically what I do is so much of this has been like committed to memory that I'll just like throw it on and I'll have most of it memorized but like um one of the the things that I noticed is uh in the end of the first verse he does this bit where he's like I'm a pauses I'm a wretch Maya and it like people have pointed out it's kind of a tie into what he does with the like repetition that goes on in Big Dipper too and there are lots of little like kind of synchronicities with like the lyrical constructions and imagery throughout this that I think are mm. just really sort of fascinating to like pick apart. Oh, there were so yeah. many things I wanted to say during all <laughs> of that, but also I just wanted to listen to it because it's just so it's, it's undeniable, I think. And anyone like some people still don't like this album. Some people didn't like this album at the time. I think, I think up my sleeves is a pretty undeniable achievement of the band and is uh a song i understand why they only play the first verse live like the second and third verses is some of the rawest most personal most uh uh frightening uh lyricism that mc ride has ever had about uh like and, and, and like you're saying it acknowledges him as a real person in a way that the ex-military stuff and even the No Love Deep Web and Money Store, like none of that was ever this kind of raw and vulnerable in the way like MC Ride is always sort of playing a character and you really feel that wall kind of come down on this album more so. I mean, like certain songs, like he'll, he'll dip back into it, obviously. And like he's never in one continuous mental state for an album like he's always mm. fracturing and shifting and different versions of mc rider are appearing on every song but like i think this is easily the most uh he's ever let his guard down in terms of putting like his real life pain and 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 mental illness and thoughts about suicide and the end of his life and all that sort of stuff and this first song like sets the template so so perfectly for that yeah theme. yeah <clears throat> um right right off the bat something that i want to kind of establish with this being the first song that um i'll i'll dig into as we kind of like touch on songs i think deal with that because i think you're totally right jackie that um a, a big thing to sort of mention is that there are these connective thematic tissues to each of the albums and like overarching themes but there's never one specific sort of like thing or idea that like ride is trying to encompass in any of these albums he like so much of his lyrical style works in these sort of multiplicities and like taking on these different fractured identities in the songs but like i feel like where that's especially fascinating here is that where i've started to kind of like warped my brain to this album and like how I've started to make sense of it as like a cohesive project over the years is sort of looking at a number of these songs not the whole thing but like a good number of them as almost these sort of like avoidant coping mechanisms through like trauma and pain and like all of these ways in which through like traumatic shit he's trying to either escape himself or his thoughts or the events that are surrounding him. And I think that something like, uh, something like this, where you have right off the bat, the sort of like the different emotions and like circumstances that he's dealing with really set the stage for him to just kind of like take that idea and fucking run with it for the rest of the album. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because, yeah, I mean, this song especially, but really the entire album, it's sort of like, you know, like it's sort of like kind of trying to start that that usual Death Grips mode, like this very like abstract imagery. But like what makes this album and this song especially so special is the fact that like it's just the, there's these hard cuts to reality that come in. You know, in between this like abstract imagery, there's just these like these like very sudden and very hurtful like reminders of like what the reality actually is. It's just like, you know, terracotta armies and all this stuff. It's like, no, my mother's dead. Like she's dead and I'm grieving her. And then like, I think the, the interlude, like I was reading the lyrics as yeah. like, the song was going and I was like, my eyes were like watering, you know, just like thinking about that being like, you know, blank, blank obituary in the cemetery, you know, just being completely unremembered, just a completely unmarked grave. No one remembers me. I have not made an impact. And that's, you know, almost feeling that's almost the preferred way to go out with no one knowing who I am or who I was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that like immediately Broadway cemetery, they're talking about a specific cemetery in Sacramento, which I'm pretty sure is what is on the album artwork for this album yeah. where MC mm-hmm. ride is walking through. So like, it's very clear, like right up front, like this album is every, I mean, they're the band is called death grips. Like death is <laughs> not exactly not on the other death grips albums, but it is like it's front and center here. And yeah, that, that interlude, especially the way that all of the instrumental drops out of that moment. And you're really hearing like there, the moments in this album where it's just MC rides, and this is really the only point from what like, here on out where you really get those like kind of moments of quiet and reprieve because almost the whole rest of the album, even though it, it does, you're right that it will like make these left turns into real life and real shit in a way that some of the other Death Grips albums don't do, but like it's just so, uh, it, it from here on out, it becomes so dense and so like uh so hard to even like make your way through like the instrumentals start to reflect mc rides like fractured mental state in a way that is like i think really effective but this also sets up like this also sets up the whole uh instrumental kind of language of the album the way that Mm -hmm. like the bjork samples are introduced in the two different ways and i my one of my things about this album one of my small critiques is i think over as the course of it they sometimes start recycling the same sort of ideas and uses for bjork and like i feel like a couple of them it just sort of feels like they're repeating the same sort of basic idea but i i think right off the bat like the two different ways it's used on up my sleeves with like the longer stretched out one and then the 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 fast skittering one is like so cool the way it teaches you like okay we have in the same way that mc ride's voice was being manipulated and pitched and and chopped up on uh on the last album they're basically doing that with bjork here and then layering on top of that all of these super dense mc ride verses and it's just so much to take in on first glance but the more time i spend with it like the more I sort of uh, grow to appreciate all the little details in in both the Bjork vocals throughout and in MC Ride's vocals. I mean, in the uh, the Pitchfork review, which is not a good review, the one <laughs> the, the one nice thing I I, I remembered from it uh, was that they they included Bjork's quote that she gave after the album dropped, and she she went online to confirm to everyone, yes, that's me, Bjork, on that album. She says, "I adore Death Grips, and I am thrilled to be their quote." found object which is one of the most bjork quotes of all time but it's also true like that's Mm. that is what bjork is on this album she is not a featured artist she is not like 
sing she is singing on every song but her singing is being chopped into completely unrecognizable uh almost non-human forms but then in sudden moments like most of the time it's chopped up so much you can barely even recognize it and it's in the mix of this cacophony but then there will be moments where it it cuts through and you're like oh bjork like famous (laughs) famous recording artist bjork whom i love and would die for there there you are and and it's so cool the way that that they that they do that that they tease it out over the course of the, the the record and they they use it as this constant motif throughout it really it's one of the things that makes this album feel so cohesive yeah, let's let's dive into Bjork a little bit with the, like her history with the band, just like very briefly before we get to the next track. Mm-hmm. So Bjork has been a long time supporter of the band. Pretty much, she's she's a day one. Okay, she's day one with Death Grips. As uh, I think when we talked we talked about this briefly during the No Love Deep Web episode, but like Bjork was like one of the only people that like reached out with like positivity towards them during the whole thing where they canceled like between the Money Store and No Love Deep Web where they canceled their tour and all that. Like she was one of the only people that reached out was like, hey, like. Hey, I love you guys. Like your guys are doing great. Like I, you know, a, a nice email that Zach's like, I barely check my emails, but if York emails me, you know, I'm reading that. <laughs> and then also in 2012, did a, they did two remixes uh, for her uh, for the biophilia remix album bastards. Uh, both of them are very good. I think one of them, it goes back and forth between like using full moon death classic yep. and system blower. And the other one, I, what song are they using as like the basis for the remix? I couldn't figure that out at all. I, I think I think Thunderbolt uh, might be original and and not. Yeah, you're you're 100 right that uh, the Sacrifice remix uses uh, the the drums from Full Moon Death Classic and then the big synth drum bass hit from System Blower, uh, and it's it's so cool to listen to because it's using like. It, it, it's it's not it's not it's probably like zach hill doing it pretty much himself but it's not a zach it's a death grips remix not a zach hill remix because they're taking other death grips songs that like exist and folding them into this bjork song in a way that completely recontextualizes them and suddenly like death grips becomes a lot more accessible with bjork because bjork has a voice that is not similar to mc ride in terms of uh, characteristics but is similar in the way that it can like cut through an instrumental the way that she can wrangle an instrumental that is very experimental and very like all over the place and can like bend it to her will and just the amount of the the, the range that she has and and the the, the just the raw character their voice has is like there's no one else in the world who sounds like bjork so it, it's a really interesting idea to be like well, she uses her voice as an instrument on every single song that she makes, but why don't we take her out of the context of her own music and put it into our world and like fracture it and, and deconstruct it and break it down until it becomes this, this uh, really, really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. And so Bjork again fans uh there's also a video of Bjork playing guillotine during a DJ <laughs> set, during like a class reunion and she screams like right as the song kicks in which is awesome and it rules yes um but uh yeah I, uh, what <laughs> so i i, I do want to say something real quick just bouncing off mm-hmm. of something that jackie said about like the the bjork samples and uh, like i totally get that i totally get the sense of like especially the fatigue 
that might creep in with like hearing some of the samples being used again and again. Um, I, I just wanted to like position just as like a, a little counterpoint to me, that's honestly become something that's been especially fascinating to me. Like the more and more I sort of like learn about like how drumming operates and the sort of like different permutations one can make with it is um, I almost sort of the, the more that, it has sunk into my brain that these are samples on, on this album being triggered by like V drum hits and like played in real time rather than like being sequenced is just, it, it makes the sort of like close attention to them even more fascinating to me because I start paying attention to them less as like sample beat grids and more like drum beats and like trying to map out like where on the kit like each sort of thing is and if you listen closely enough sometimes you can hear like certain cymbal or like drum head hits hitting at the same time as like certain samples and you can kind of start to like pick apart like doing autopsies of each track and like how the samples are being doled out and how zach hill must be playing them and that, honestly to me that makes it even more fucking impressive just hearing how this album is being constructed as you are listening to it mm-hmm I feel like it's gonna just gonna be like overdubs on overdubs, honestly. Like that, that, that just that's what it feels like mm. at time here. But it's Zach Hill though, so it's like it could be overdubs, but also like he could just be playing all that because Zach Hill is an insane person, <laughs> and is is an insane creation by God, who was put on this earth for one thing and one thing only: to drum, to be a drummer, and to put together the sickest drum parts ever, ever to be conceived. Um, but the the sickest drum part is not until about halfway on the track list. But uh, let, let's play uh, the end of Up My Sleeves into the next track on the album, uh, Billy Not Really, which... Guys, any verse is so fucking awesome too, by yes. the way, of Up My Sleeves. Every single verse of Up My Sleeves is good. God, yes. it's so the tra- the God the transitions on this album are so fucking good. It moves so yeah. fucking smoothly. Specifically, uh, the that transition, the say hey kid, have a sad come transition, and the uh, uh, voila big dippers is also pretty good. But like in gen in general, the, the, those two, the the one two and the four five of the album are like so great and build off of that. Uh, strength of government plates oh, yeah this part too yes i i also want to throw my hat in for billy not really to black quarterback just because the two songs feel like two sides of the same coin they almost kind of feel inseparable to me for like the way that they kind of like go into each other and have similar sonic palettes um i Okay, so the, the one part that I wanted to point out that passed the whole verse about him going to the medium and saying she scares me is, I think, one of the more unexpected moments of this album, if you have, like, listened to the past Death Grips albums, just because Ride on all of his verses casts such an intimidating, like, form and presence. And then you just have this verse where he's like, this person I came across scares me. And you're like who the fuck is scaring you? <laughs> That's <laughs> it, a good it, point. Yes. It becomes one of those things where it becomes clear, like how deep the sense of like fear and vulnerability is like seeped into the album. 
It's just, yeah, you, you can't imagine someone, be, you, you can't imagine MC Red being afraid of somebody. <laughs> and, and, and I think it also ties in with, like, you know, the, what they've said about their music being, like, you know, their comments of, like, masculinity, where they're very much of, like, like, our music, like, is, like, androgynous. Like, there is no, like, macho masculinity. You know, it's, it's androgynous. And that kind of really, you know, said some of this record being, like, you know, you might think this, you know, this is, like, super macho, which, like, if you listen to, like, no, it's deep web, like, why would you think that this band is like anywhere near macho like that record is horrifying at times in terms of like the the male experience yeah when they're when they're portraying like guys being dudes it's very much not it's very much not an indoor it's not depiction is not equal endorsement like they, they are constantly like creating these a lot of their most aggressive tracks are like this is this hellishly masculine thing that is intentionally highlighting like what's wrong when you go all the way in this direction and how horrifying it can be and but there's it's uh this this one is one of the ones that has gained in my esteem the most uh, as i've been listening to it this week and as i've been listening to this over time like the way that it uh combines like the kind of techno stuff that was going on on like Lil boy and big house but filters it through this insane Bjork vocal sample kaleidoscope and then it flips into those sections where the drums uh, like go halftime and and there's the like flute samples is what that I don't even yeah. know what, I don't I don't know what the hell I mean is... you know it's Bjork she's on her flute shit <laughs> I, I, I would really love if along with all the vocals Bjork's like oh here's some here's some flute it's me playing some flute you can fuck around with these too <laughs> That that must be what it is, is is kind of the sort of way I've come to terms with it. But also like that that part where it goes into like the sort of like double time gallop, especially like yeah. the 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 other thing that like I really come to like appreciate this album for is as we've been talking about, it, it is very lyrically dense, but I feel like it does so in service of this very sort of strange, almost kind of like abstract poetic quality to it, where there is yeah. just just one of my favorite things to do over the years has been sort of like sitting down with any given songs lyrics and just sort of like annotating them out like taking the sort of like poetry analysis i was doing in college onto something like that and that section where um it really sort of kind of works over time at that is one that like is especially rewarding just because so much of it is placed on this this emphasis of driving these very seemingly unconnected but like thematically tied together lyrics and references to like harmony current films where like Werner Herzog is there doing or seeing magic tricks and saying somebody has something up their sleeve um and like but also really sort of like paying such close attention to their like phonetic quality and the ways in which the rhyme schemes and like internal and slant rhymes are working is just it, it's it's phenomenal that entire section uh jackie what was the the film that that jade referenced in the ex-military episode <laughs> oh Pen- penelope <laughs> okay we know mc red likes two films at this point we know that he likes julian donkey boy and, and... He has seen, he, mc red has seen two <laughs> movies he has seen penelope and he has seen julian donkey boy Canonically, these are the only two movies that we know of so far that MC Wright has seen. Also, and I think it would be important to note that uh, the genius, like what you were saying about the poetic lyrics, like the genius annotations for this album specifically are the most unreliable and debated <laughs> they really of, any, are. of any of it. Like there are so many lyrics where you'll click on it and you'll read the first annotation of like 
someone's interpretation and then the second the first comment will be someone with more of both being like no it's not this you dummy uh but but i i should note that the she tune in telly through your shiv- shriveled button pressed jaundice yellow some people think that is a reference to the film kids and the character telly in the film kids where on the poster of kids telly is the character that is yellow so i think that uh, there may, there are there's at least one, if not two, Harmony Corinne references in this song alone, which is king shit. And also, of course, Death Grips watch Harmony Corinne movies. Like, duh. MC Ride has seen three films. He has seen Penelope, <laughs> Julian Donkey Boy, and Kids. Um, but I got, but on a more serious note, with this we're song, starting, though. we're starting to piece together the puzzle. Like, we're, we're starting to figure out why he's like this. <laughs> MC Ride again. Put him in the beach bum too. All right, Harmony, <sighs> hit him up. Uh, but but uh, but serious. But on the on a serious note with this song, this song like uh, the end lyrics of like um, let me let me scroll down. Of she's your experience, you're her experiment. Her Vox Limbo fine print will be Sharpie. So sorry, falsetto. Which that second part, I don't know what the fuck that means. And honestly, that's the thing. That, and that's kind of the beauty of this album is that like as I said, it's just these like completely abstract phrases that you're like you can't wrap your brain around it. But then it cuts in with like a really hard bit of reality of like, oh, like, like completely, like you know, completely throwing you off and then suddenly throwing you back into the fire. It's yeah, it's just it's it's magical stuff. And then also like going from like the the vice versa of she's your experience, you're her experiment to you're her experiment, she's your experience. Like, MC Ride. All right, if you've learned anything from the Death Grips discography, MC Ride has a lot of weird feelings going on about sex there's a lot of weird shit happening in his head when it comes to sex you like think? this was definitely you, you think <laughs> like no deep web was like mostly about all this like weird psychosexual shit and this is like that but like even more intensely and more like okay if you didn't get it the first time hey shit's fucked up in my head guys when it comes to this if it's know? not clear i'm gonna make a song called have a sad come baby and and we're and then then you'll understand exactly and also we were talking about the genius interpretations like half the fucking interpretations are like this is about the fans and it's like <laughs> yes but like no like it, it like death comes have all like they're you know they've been very aware of their audience like that's one thing about them is that they're extremely aware of their audience and how they interpret them and so it would not surprise me if there's stuff on the sound that is about the fans but sometimes it just feels like a cheap like all right, come on, you guys. We're just we're, we're just having some egos about ourselves. Like, come on, guys. Like, not come everything on. is about you. Not everything is about us. Okay, it's not about <laughs> me. It'd be fun. It's fun to think that way. It's fun, to, but you know, it's not always about us. But yeah. uh, unless we had any other thoughts, I, let's just keep keep rolling into this. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll play a little bit of the end of Billy. Not really into black quarterback. Which, like, the Bjork samples here are just, like, this, like, repeated, yeah. like, club, ums, 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 just, like, like, what the it's, fuck is going to happen? It's, it's just building to something. Yeah, like, with the lyrics and the instrumental, you can never feel what you to expect next, because, like, it can go from abstract to really, really personal and cutting at a moment, and also the instrumental can shift on a dime at any moment. Like, that, that club beat right into this beat is, like, what the fuck? And this whole first verse is so... Yeah, this is... 
for the longest time been like the one that honestly like I'm honestly too stunned by how the lyrics are put together on this one to like really kind of pick it apart just because so much of this first verse is just loaded with a lot of really descriptive almost sort of hyper specific like extreme close-up imagery that it becomes almost kind of difficult to get the full picture of what's going on it's these like small little like brief like one second snippets of things that are happening in this kind of delirious haze but it's once again just kind of goes to show just how much is going on under the hood of this thing absolutely like this is an unbelievable it's it's like a story song a little bit like clink where it's clearly like like uh, explaining this encounter he has with the police but the genius thing about this a- album in general is that like all the very personal real life rooted stuff is submerged in the abstraction like you can't fully follow the story because the one detail in the story will blend into some other image that's like floating around his subconscious and it really does feel like you're inside his head and all these things that are happening are not like something that's playing out in real time but rather like a narrative and like memories that are like floating through his subconscious with all the other like weird sex stuff going on in there and all the trauma and all and like blood and all the stuff that he is in his art and his painting and his poetry and it's just all there like and it can be hard to figure out like there's clearly like themes that run throughout the album that he keeps hitting on over and over again but trying to take one individual song and be like okay what is going on here is so fucking hard yeah that's that's the other thing that i wanted to bring up is that like so much of the flow of the images really feels intentionally disconnected or like it's like almost sort of like out of continuity or skipping over moments to the point where it almost feels more like free association than a story song and like to, to what Jackie was saying, like, the sort of framework of it being something similar in, like, uh, set up to something like Clink, but then, like, completely warped into this, like, abstracted experimental collage of images is, like, really the only sort of way you could take a song that is so, that can be, like, concretely ascribed to, like, a situation and put it through this album's lens. Absolutely. I also I I really would like to shout out the the line on the bridge where he says uh, in over our heads and sinking auto uh, auto bonding wonder Stevie faster <laughs> comrade winking yes oh, God, that's great I'd, I'd also like to point out just just because uh, I I had to throw in as many like um, poetry terms as I could into like my notes but like I especially love that the first verse is that that just haze of free association that almost kind of doesn't really seem to have a set scheme and then they completely upend it by having the second verse that has this repeated um epistrophe that uh ends every single line by cutting it off at the word the and so you never really get like a complete sentiment until you get the very end of that verse um and you just kind of get this repetition that like just drives the rhythm behind the vocals Mm -hmm. um the song yeah it 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 fucking rocks like it, it it's just it's probably the most like 
explicitly banger song on the album is I I, I disagree strongly actually I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that per se but it is it is the one where it is like it it's very different within the album because I think one like you know pretty explicitly about race which like there's plenty of other songs that are explicitly about race but this one feels like much more like okay intentional it's it's in the verses and the chorus like it's very front and center in the song definitely yeah that's exactly one of the other things i wanted to point out earlier is that um especially with that that's another form of the confrontational aspect of this album that i think kind of takes itself on in a way that their other albums didn't and it's like again right there in the title too wherein they have never to ride has never to date used that word in any of his lyrics but it becomes this sort of immediately like confrontational thing by putting it front and center on the album's title and you like see it reverberate in ways like on here uh i would say also on say hey kid and honestly like possibly even voila there are like kind of little fragments throughout the album where you kind of feel it peeking in and becoming an extra sort of like layer into the different sorts of like uh paranoias and anxieties and different sort of like cultural uh stresses that are going on throughout here totally and i think in the the tom it's it's a reference to a gil scott harem yes that's correct yeah so it it is just like hey you know because i feel like that that is sort of like i don't think obviously death comes only they intended that but like you know very quickly kind of found themselves despite you know it seems like ex-military the intention was really to kind of go back to like some of this like golden age hip-hop and like really revisit it in like a really fresh and unique way and bring it back to its roots as like genuine countercultural music and that kind of you know got easily swept up and eaten by a very much white music press and so like an audience you know, especially yeah exactly so they always felt like they're even even despite making like hip-hop they always felt kind of outside of outside of the genre outside of the community because i always felt like it's like oh well because it also just didn't help that like you know people at our time getting that music like obviously you think of dead and hip-hop and like mike c-town trying his hardest (laughs) to like like, guys this is good come on and them just like not getting it at all although i think that i think that the tides changed eventually somewhat i think like i know they did yes a Jenny Death or Bottomless Pit review? It was no, Mike yeah. I, 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 I think we referenced this last time. I'm pretty sure it's. Uh, I forget. I forget again. Which, but it, they they did a review for Jenny Death where they both listened to it and like did it. Got what? And, and it was it was still like complete bewilderment. And but uh, I I think I think you're totally right that this is like the the thing that I really love about this album how it works with jenny death is because basically i think after government plates there are these two branching paths of like where death grips could have gone as the follow-up to government plates and the genius idea they had is uh like that one little girl from the taco commercial (laughs) meme why don't why don't we have both you know like like they, they 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 sort of realized like okay on one hand we have this like more focused pair not pared down this more like concentrated abstracted uh electronic sound that we're that we've been building with government plates but we've also got the thing that was the root of this which is the kind of 
bringing back the rock and roll and bringing back the early hip hop and like the ex-military stuff that really over time, like the, the subtle electronic accents of ex-military give way into complete like abstract electro electronics over time. And I think they simultaneously wanted to get back to that raw sound while also being like, we kind of want to take this abstract electronic thing further and see if we can like really, really get out there. And they do both by having this one album that is the first half being this shorter condensed just burst of like raw alienation and fucking horror. And then the second half is more fun and more like ex-military, but it's still dark is still dealing with the same sort of themes. And I do think that neither Jenny death nor uh, redacted on the moon are my favorite death grips album the, jenny death was close at one point but it, it's it's not quite up there anymore it's like toward the top middle but if you combine the things that are working best on redacted and the things that are working best on jenny death you would have the best death grips album i think across the two discs and we'll save most of the jenny death talk for next week but like across the two discs you really get the whole picture of like what this band is going for, what various ideas and, and techniques they want to really implement. And I think that there is so much going on in, in both halves of the album. And I think this song, particularly Black Quarterback, is one of the few songs on the album that I don't dislike the song at all. Do not get me wrong. Uh, this song is great. I, I think MC Ride's performance and writing on the song is great. And I think the instrumental is very cool. But this is the first song on the album where, where my enjoyment of those things feels like it's happening more on paper than it is happening like within my gut and my heart and my chest. You know what I mean? Like this album is so impenetrable and alienating in a way that I love, 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 love at some points. And then sometimes it's actually alienating where I'm like, I'm on the outside of this. I can, I can admire it as like a very, like, I'm really, really impressed with what it's doing. And, I, but I'm like, I'm looking at it from the outside rather than being submerged in it. And I think with the song, it's just like, there's so much writing going on in his, and there's so much in his performance going on that when combined with the super dense instrumental underneath it, it very easily can just kind of turn into like, I, there's nothing I can grab onto here, even though there is so much I can grab onto, you know what I mean? But like, I think even, even with that mild complaint, like I still, whenever I'm listening to the album in full, none of the tracks that I like slightly less really hamper my, my enjoyment of the album because the flow is so good. And none of these songs are too long until the very end. Like they're all pretty black quarterback is three minutes. The next couple songs are all like three minutes and each and within that three minutes, it's going all sorts of fucking places. Like it is not a repetitive three minutes at all, even though there are like, you're saying like, there are these things that keep repeating throughout the album. Themes keep repeating motifs in the sampling and the drumming keep repeating. And uh, there are moments where it can feel repetitive in a slightly less enjoyable way. But for the most part, I think it really just hammers home this intense sense of mood and paranoia that they're trying to communicate. Exactly. Um, but yeah, let's 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 go on to the track number four. Then say hey kid. So a little bit of the end of Black Quarterback into say hey kid.
Yeah, this is nasty as fuck. I love <laughs> this. This is one of the, the other one that has uh, grown the most in my esteem listening to it this week. Say Hey Kid is so fucking good. It might be the nastiest, like, Zach Hill drum fill he's ever done. Oh. In, 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 across all projects, like Death Grips, Hella, etc. Like, that's the nastiest drum fill he's ever put out. It's so good. And then this fucking, like, there are not many hooks on this album. It's easily the least hooky Death Grips album. But I do what my people would, because my people would. Oh, I have had it stuck in my head all fucking week. It's so great. Mm. And then also, one of the nastiest synth sounds they've ever made that's about to pop into the mix here in a second is just, oh, this whole song is unbelievable. There it is. Yes. It's so corroded and nasty. I use the word nasty to describe so many things on Death Grips albums, but it is nasty as fuck. I think one of the... One of the other things that I think is is especially compelling about some of the compositions here is so many of them feel like they don't stay in one place for too long. And this is one of the ones where it's like the dynamics between those like really fast, like fill cymbal heavy, like drum parts and this like slower menacing like verses that then builds back up in the way that you're hearing right now are just it's it's just such a fucking compelling way to structure a song. I also want to point out, um, as we as we mentioned, the genius annotations are are hit or miss to say the least. So there is there even within them there was contention as to what the the John and Shelley was. But I especially like the the idea that it's John Milton and Mary Shelley just because of um, the the line that Mary Shelley took for um, Paradise Lost on the cover of Frankenstein, which is. Did I request thee, maker, from my clay to mold me, man? Did I solicit thee from darkness to promote me? Which is, like, in the context of the album, can be read as, like, Ride taking that as an existentialist plea of, like, why he was put into life if he was just going to go through all of this suffering and pain. And it, like, it tracks so well to what the rest of the album is, is doing. Absolutely. And I mean, it makes I mean, he's like he's obviously a Mary Shelley fan. Like the Gothic poetry, <laughs> like just take one look at his paintings and tell me that dude yeah. doesn't read Mary Shelley. But I, like, I, I really love how, like, and then like the 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 neck sucking imagery in this song, I think, really helps drive that theory in for me personally. Like, it's this is very gothic while also being very like gothic cyberpunk it just fucking rules i love i love that synth so much so it sounds like a like a siren or like but like kind of like a cell phone alarm also too like the way it's all corroded and bit crushed uh it's great mm-hmm. i mean yeah this song is it's, it's been one of my favorites you know on on the album for 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 some time now and just one that drum fill alone like that that already shoots it up to the you know not near the top just alone on that drum fill but also like this like really scathing critique on capitalism which like i mean if you're a fan of death grips like yeah i know like it's, it's all over but like you know sort of like being like hey like these public service workers like bus drivers yeah they're they're cool like you know some people might like some people may not support what you do but like yeah no you're doing something that's good for society like you, you do you and then obviously like the 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 neck biting like vampires, you know, is like pretty clearly like rich people thinking that like poor people leech off of them and whatever the fuck. It's just, yeah. 
there's a lot of really there's a lot of imagery with this song going on it's a lot of interpretations you can you can make here it's probably like and also just certain lines just out of context are like kind of funny like don't it feel good to ride a bus or drive a bus (laughs) like you know know, it it works on both levels that's that's the thing is is that death grips is always working on multiple levels they're Mm -hmm. deadly serious and completely taking the piss out of it at the same time they are trying to be accessible and kind of catchy and they're also trying to deliberately uh repel people from enjoying their music and are almost sometimes challenging us to enjoy their music uh despite what they're doing with it like and so i i think that's that's totally and i i definitely do think the it it, it is they know it's funny and mm. i i think death grips is generally underrated from their sense of humor because the sense of humor of death grips fans is not consistently great <laughs> not of course there are incredible death grips memes because there are just lots of people on the internet who listen to death grips and they are very memeable and shareable and 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 you can and also they give out stems for a lot of their music which helps but like i i think that in general like they even even in this out al- this album which is their most uh serious their most dark their most kind of grave in general there still are i mean the 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 next song on this album is called have a sad come baby like yeah the, the, there there is that 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 humor and that acid and that social commentary that is never like uh, front and center always and when they when it is political like this they they are very 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 careful to not hit the nail too directly on the head uh they are not idols no sir they, they, they are never going going to be like capitalism is bad and you shouldn't believe in it they're 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 gonna, they're gonna be a lot more abstract and poetic and uh mysterious and that will lead to lots of people arguing about what the song means on the internet which i'm sure is something that they like i'm sure they like being indecipherable being something that they know people are going to project themselves onto so they release it with no fanfare no interview no 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 stefan talking to some press journalist and saying like you know yeah i've had a really hard last couple years you know and i wanted to make this album that described my mental health struggles no they put this shit up on the internet for you to download and for you to interpret and i think that is the thing that leaves people on this album is like you you finish this album and you're just like what the fuck just happened? How do I make sense of that emotionally? How do I make sense of that musically? How do I make sense of that intellectually? Like it just leaves you gobsmacked in a way that no other Death Grips album does, I think, for better or for worse. Yeah, yeah. There are a few different things I want to touch on there, but I wanted to say that um I, I always to me there's something kind of humorous about the delivery of I guess her next the best her next just the best is like is such great comedic timing within the context of it but but also um to to talk about the sort of sense of multiplicity because this this is one of those songs where the lines are so kind of they're deliberately i would say less 
dense than you would have on something like say billy not really or black quarterback but what they're replacing that with is this like very sort of enigmatic vagueness that i think really lends itself to multiple interpretations just because that that read of that capitalist critique is certainly there but like to to talk about like how i see sort of like the angles that this album is say like approaching race coming into it you could also read into it this sense of like critique of this pressure to be complacent within a sort of uh very white supremacist culture where you have to like put on this air of becoming the like perfect public servant and like getting a respectable job where you will be respected in a certain way and it's as the song kind of evolves it like warps that in a way that i find especially fascinating with where it goes into the sort of like vampirism of the second verse is sort of like an analog of that and and that's driven home by the chorus, the I do what my people would because my people would only if my people, which is just it, how he's able to make something that catchy out of just mostly repeating the same words is like genius. But it's also like, I think, a kind of commentary on like, you know, like, uh, like hetero not not hetero what's the word i'm looking for a oh, fuck um orthodoxy like the way that like that like a norm is imposed on a society and the way that people are meant to conform to 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 these 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 standards and and these societies and the way people are forced to jam themselves into these structures that don't account for like people's differences and that sort of thing and i really mm-hmm. think that um that is here but it's also like there are five different ways you could read this song exactly you you could you could point to different parts of it different words of it and it is it is trying to be all of those and none of those at the same time and that's the thing that can be frustrating about trying to break this album down but also is like why i will i know i will keep coming back to this album and finding more in it finding more ways to look at it to understand it to try to understand it our next song is "Have a Sad Come Baby." There's just there, 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 there's 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 no good segue for "Have no. a Sad Come Baby." We just we just gotta hear that music, baby. Yeah. Part of my uh... also come play dead into come have a sad uh... come baby. Beautiful. I never. By the way, when you were saying Black Quarterback is the biggest banger on this album, I was like, say hey kid and sad, have a sad come baby. Yeah, are, I, I, oh, should, I should say, yeah, that's, that's harder well, bangers. Well, Black Quarterback keeps it pretty, like, it doesn't, you know, it's full on energy, where at least, like, say hey kid kind of has the verses that are a bit more, like, chilled out a little bit. And then this, obviously, like, this is my least, this is probably my least favorite track on the album, but it's oh, still, like, really disagree. great and really essential. And I think it's still great and it's really essential for, for the record, but, yeah. like, yeah, this this my my evolution with this album had it where like this song and fuck me out used to be my two least favorites because I felt like they kind of for a while they felt kind of not of a place with the rest of the album in terms of like lyrical and thematic content and also just kind of didn't really feel to have as much sort of like for me like variety and the sort of like diction that like made the rest of the album really click but um, recently like as I've sort of started to recontextualize the album and think about it in the sort of like way of thinking of avoiding coping mechanisms and like all of those sorts of things it becomes this really fascinating like one two where this becomes like a stretch of songs that like pairs together the idea of like um sort of like 
uh, dissociative depersonalization via sex, sort of like doing something to your body as sort of a way to like escape it for a moment. And I feel like that's especially kind of hammered home here where you have this very abstracted presence of Ride where he's not even actually really there. It's just reconfigured, chopped up vocal samples of him. Of, in the of him saying the word blood. Blood, yes. blood, 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 blood. <laughs> Have a sad call. It's, it's so funny that like, this is, there are some Death Grips songs that feel like shit posts in kind of an, in, like an insubstantial sort of way where it feels like there are Death Grip songs you will get to later in their discography where it's like, th- does this song succeed at being something more than just a joke? Is it more than just, is it just a bit or is it like existing as a bit and also this like import whatever, the, a good song at the same time? And I think this is a great example of one that is like having its cake and eating it too, where like the chorus, quote unquote chorus of the song, which is a sample of someone yelling, have a sad cum baby, is catchy. Like it, it, it works in this insane, weird musical environment that it's existing in and is remarkably catchy for how just unorthodox it is in its construction and how this is like the least MC ride you get on any song this album in terms of his presence on it. And I really like it as a sort of like Gov Plates 2 type track that reminds me of, of This Is Violence Now and some of my favorite tracks from that album. And so. I really, really like this album, like, more so than... I like this more than Black Quarterback, more than Fuck Me Out, more than Voila, even. Like, I really love this track. Which, yeah, it's... I'll, I'll let it go into Fuck Me Out, because I, <laughs> I don't have a lot a lot to say it's just it's it's have a side come baby it's it's self-explanatory yeah i will say one one line that's especially great and there is wasting time feels god before it goes wasting time feels good which it turns into this whole idea of like the act of depersonalization like decentering oneself from it is like almost a form of like omniscience which is such a fucking wild metaphor uh, here's the nasty one. This, this is a real <laughs> nasty one here. Uh, this song, even the, even the, within, the, hor- the horniest Dead Grip song to date, for sure. Up, oh, yeah. uh, up until like probably Year of the Snitch, this is this is just the nastiest Death Grip song. It is. It is simultaneously it's very much intentionally. Yeah, it's simultaneously the horniest, but also like the most like coldest and like oh, true. Al- almost sort of antagonistic, just in the sense that it's he. he the idea of fuck me out like being depleted or like possibly just like sapped of like life or energy through the act of sex is just it's it's it takes it to its like furthest extreme in the most morbid way that only like death grips would do yeah it's the least sensual song about fucking maybe ever made like death fuck let's fuck just don't touch me just fuck me like like he's like don't I, I don't want you to touch me but I need to like satisfy these carnal urges and that's like I mean we're getting at it throughout all this like it's it's using it as an escape but then also like having all these complicated feelings and the way that like his vocal delivery really hammers at home on the song it's it's not my favorite song on the album just because I feel like the the kind of V-drum breakdowns on it feel the least inspired of everything like it feels the most like reiterative and I, I like how it uh, how that ties it into everything on one side like 
all of the, all of the cons of this album are so inextricably tied into the pros of it that I can't. I feel bad like critiquing them because it's like it is just this one slab of music, really, more than it is like an album with tracks that you can pick apart and pick your favorites. But like, I would say that Black Quarterback, Fuck Me Out, and Voila are my least favorites on the album, just in terms of like how that denseness makes it hard to like enjoy them as songs that I'm really feeling. Uh, I'm trying not to use the word visceral because I used it way too many times in the ex-military episode and I didn't realize, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. Like most Death Grip songs are just like smacking you over the face as opposed to these ones, which you're having to lean in a little bit more and be like, wait, what the fuck is going on here? And like parse through it. But I, I still like this song. I think yeah. it's, it's not as, uh, it's not piss piss. We'll just say that. <laughs> I will say this is this part's my favorite part of it, just because this this verse is fucking wild, even just to see it transcribed, but to hear it in motion where you have this full erosion of like any sort of straightforward sentiment, and it becomes this fully repetitive onomatopoetic like just nightmare sequence of like different different permutations of fuck different forms of fucking um and it, it becomes like a sort of immersion in the self-destructive rather than any sort of like glamorization like the rest of it's been doing but like amplified to a further degree and also like just because i gotta like uh mention anything that reminds me of any sort of poetic illusions the whole repetition of he she they like he she they like as a sort of like fill in the blank for who could be involved here almost kind of strikes me as like Walt Whitman's song of myself, like sort of this repetition of like uh, object or person in the mix there. Um, I also want to point out uh, one of the lines that passed by uh, that I particularly like thought stood out, like on this run through is um, so what you worth, not what you bought, which is almost in its own way, a reversal of, uh, what we were talking about with the sort of like capitalist critique on Say Hey Kid, it kind of flips the idea of it around, but it does so in such a very sort of fluid way and doesn't dwell on it. And then it's just right back into the the haze of fucking. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, like there are few albums ever made that capture this same experience of being online where you've got uh, like, like crude cum jokes side by side with <laughs> suicidal depression it's just mm. like this is what being on twitter.com is like you know yeah. it's like someone saying like need sucky sucky drippy drippy and then also <laughs> people saying like i'm gonna fucking kill myself like you know like what is being online if not that yeah in in reality if there were an album to be called death grips is online it would be this one this is just this is just my, what my timeline looks like all the time <laughs> But I, I I do really like how it like it turns into that. It seems like it's nonsense, but then if you take a look close look at it, like there's the the line where it's like fuck buys this, fuck bind spell, we cakewalk, fuck suspect, we foretell, we seance. Like he's saying things and not saying things at the <laughs> same time, and the lines that are like literally like like gibberish and could could mean it, be anything are side by side with the stuff that's meaningful. And that is all to further confuse and disorient the listener and put them in this listening state where you just kind of have to let this album come to you. You can't, you can't like expect, expect it to conform to your own expectations in any sort of way. You have to let it wash over you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I want to make one quick comment uh, before we move to the next song. The part where it's like, blah, 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 fuck. Wah, 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 fuck. It sounds like the dog plane video. You know, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about. Yes. And then I'll play the Death Grips part again in case you missed it. <laughs> in case you missed it. If you want to Never hear the before have I wished I had the stems to make this mashup happen. <laughs> it's the same, folks. It's the same. <laughs> what can I say? It's the same. Uh, but yeah, no, this song is, is it's, it's, it, it is like, it, like the thing with sex is that sex is just inherently like really gross. And this song is like, holy shit, this, it's really gross. But also like, just taking this societal view of sex of just this, as this, just taking that idea that sex is transactional is just taking that to its farthest possible limit of like this completely transactional, like the other person that I'm fucking is just an object. It's just, they're just, they're just a sexual object for me to get some kind of satisfaction, some kind of pleasure out of this and not getting, but even then realizing like you want this, you need this, but not getting any sense of enjoyment out of it. It's, Wah 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 fuck wah 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 fuck. It's and also I think I think there's more f bombs here than in like uncut gems. Like there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of f bombs here. MCRI was was making this song and and Zach and Andy were in the studio. Like man, we're not gonna get this on the radio. Fuck man. Uh, uh Matt, <laughs> Maddie, with 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 the the wah 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 line. Do you do you think uh, MC Riot is Wario? Do you think that's what he's trying? <laughs> Do you think that's what he's trying to tell us? <laughs> MC Ride is Wario. Look, look, uh, MC. Well, I was MC Ride Wario. They're both very tall. They're both very skinny, very lanky. Have you seen Wario and MC Waluigi? Oh, never mind, Waluigi. I thought you were doing a bit for sure. Have you ever seen Waluigi and MC Ride in the same room? No. Didn't didn't think so. Uh, but our, our next song though is is Voila, which uh, on an album that's full of like musical magic tricks. Here is like, hey, Voila, uh, another magic trick. Uh, the drums here. Also, oh, that drum feels so good yes. too here on here. And that that opening line where he's immediately like turducking words into themselves. Yes, exactly. Um, I know uh, one of the things I didn't get to point out yet is that when this album dropped for the first time, the lyrics for the first time in like Death Grips history, I believe, were not released alongside the album, and at least at first. And so I know for a while, like there were certain songs that people were just like completely unsure of what the actual lyrics were we're trying to parse them out until they were like included in the liner notes for the full like powers that be album and i feel like this was one of the ones where it was especially true just because of how he is manipulating just even the, the constructions of words as they are being said my shadows on to you voila i i love his like restrained delivery on this and how different it is than something like get got where the restrained delivery is to make room for this very high energy instrumental it's like this song is so much more haunted the way it's using that and then the way that the, the yells come in yeah, I think 
for me, the two key things that this song does lyrically are um, the the sense of, um, as Maddie was alluding to, this the sense of continuing this idea of like any sort of like sleight of hand or like leaning into the enigmatic, the sort of like up my sleeves motif that is being set up at the start of the album, but also this idea of this uh, repetition of. Uh, my shadow, like the metonymy for what that stands in for and possibly being almost sort of like Ride's own like shadow self, his sort of like representation of his darkest desires and actions in response to like trauma and pain. And I, I would also argue that this is the song where you sort of, if we're charting like the arc of the album, this is where he starts to kind of like move his way out of the sort of like especial vulnerability and and pain and paranoia and starts to kind of like confront that side of himself and almost kind of lets it overtake him a bit again. Yeah, especially the way that like it works as a double album. Hmm. Like the 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 starting run of De- of uh, Jenny and Death, which we're not talking about today, but <laughs> like it, it it very much he goes back into the full like nihilistic I am the beast I worship like cult leader character and and that the confidence returns, but then like but that and that slowly resumes over voila that, that like that that kicks back into power over voila and Big Dipper because like as I'm sure we'll get to with Big Dipper that song is more back. Is, is kind of the fusion between the, the braggadocio of the the money store and of ex-military with the vulnerability of it. Like, the end of this album combines those two sides of and these two, like, warring sides of his personality. The part of him that's like, we're in this nihilistic hellscape, and so we're just going to take over and go crazy and, like, go get what take whatever we want snatch my fetish but then there's like the, the part of him that is like i am a monster i am broken i like i we didn't i don't think we said it early on but the the line from up my sleeves that haunts me the most i think is uh so uh, what is it some people uh some things only i have seen some people only i have been is just like that that is hanging over this whole album even in the mm. moments where it gets completely nonsensical even in the moments where it will do something kind of funnier or more irreverent or whatever there's that 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 atmosphere hanging over this whole album and because it does flow together like that really does maintain for the entire stretch even though there are tracks on here i like more than others mhm um but as you said that, you know, sort of this, this album, you know, Volley being like the sort of return of the confidence of MC ride where it's like, it's, there's hints and, and stuff throughout, but like, well, I was like, okay, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a fucking magician, but then, uh, here comes big dipper, the, the, the tip right back into reality, which, um, again, this album is incredible because it not only has the best death grips intro, but it possibly has the best death grips outro also. Yeah, I have I have said before and I'll say it again. This is uh, I've come to terms with this being my favorite Death Grip song. Period, just because so much is going on with it. Uh, just just to lay down my my sort of ways of appreciation. You have this first verse, which is 
an insane barrage of like free association, but also this really compelling uh, rhyme scheme with assonance going throughout. So you have this like repeated vowel sound of ah, 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 ah throughout the first half of it. And then it flips on the scarecrow dialect dispatch at like when you're least expecting it. It like has this sort of hairpin turn with like the way that all the words are like constructed together. And also I have to shout out the quite possibly the line that always just kind of makes me go, how the fuck does Riot put these words together? Which is uh, I K-Zap slap Aristoclot through traffickers of permastock. Like one of those constructions that you just cannot fathom how a human being put that together. Hmm. Absolutely. And like, and it's just, and it's not like lyrical miracle stuff either. It's just like, no, there is like meaning behind like why yeah. he's putting these things together. Like one, obviously like, you know, obviously like, you know, a rhyme scheme, but also like very purposely putting stuff in there, like planting ideas in, in the listener's head. And also again, throwing you off the axis of like, what the hell is he talking about when he comes in with like a harsh bite of reality? Yeah. And that hook, that fucking hook. I'm a bullshitter. I'm a Shitty stripper, silhouette lifter, struck, 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 stuck off kilter, bit bewildered, fucking downer, binge thinner, big dipper. Like, just here, this, this is me. I, this is what I am. Like, brutally honest. Like, I am all, all of these things. He contains multitudes. I, I love this song. It's not one of my favorite Death Grips closures. Like, I prefer Hacker and whatever I want to this, but it is definitely, uh, uh, an incredible fucking closer and the way that it gives way to the, the Bjork samples at the very end and becomes this instrumental freak out is one of my favorite moments on the album and I also really 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 love the outro that leads into that mm. the it's my pyre agoraphobe if I want to afford to be consumed this pyre is my costume get too close it'll lick you like it likes you because it loathes you even more than I do that's like one of my favorite yeah. MC Ride lyrics ever. It's so, so good. Here it is. I'll get into. Yeah. But yeah, the. So, to, to continue on with, like, the sort of things that uh, I, I appreciate in this, especially that that idea of like the dynamic structures that I was talking about, especially with like lyrical delivery, the second verse immediately switches up the sort of flow and has it become this elongated structural thing. Um, and um, one of the lines that uh, I think Maddie brought up in the paste article, the Ursa major significance minor is this, this thing where it's almost kind of like a, a taunting thing of like, this could mean anything. This could mean nothing. And it's like the one time where I've like entertained an idea that like, the the rabid self-obsessed death grips fans have had in that like for so long being immersed in that community so many people were like whenever there's a full moon there's there's a release drop right here and it would like kept on like that for years and it just kind of feels like a weird sort of like uh almost sort of disowning of that notion um uh but that that God, yeah. The, the I, I, lo I, lo I love how they let they they finally really uncork the Bjork. They like let it be as Bjorky as <laughs> uncork the Bjork. Unofficial like, unofficial podcast title name: yeah. uncork uncork the Bjork. Uncork. <laughs> exactly. Like 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 the, the it's it's used so like like abstractly for so long, but now this is the the moment where like okay, let's let MC Ride get off and let's just like go to town. But also it's like. 
I kind of imagine that this is just like how Bjork talks in her normal like day to day life. It's like, hey Bjork, what's up? And she just goes, ooh, ah, boop, 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 boop. like it's just, it's so fucking uh, yeah. great. And as I said earlier, like I am as baffled as you are that this isn't my favorite Death Grips album as a Bjork mega stan. And I, I think in general the implementation of Bjork is, I, I think a lot of the reviews kind of painted as this gimmicky thing but i think it's really and maybe it's because they were like they heard that bjork was involved and they were kind of like oh well she's not really involved she's just being used as a sample here but like i think it's so interesting the way that they use her and that as she said like it would be weird for to have her as a full creative collaborator because death grips is such a self-contained ecosystem like death grips is death grips They've done a couple of remixes, including for Bjork early on, but like they are only going to do a remix for someone like Bjork. Like they are, in general, they are their own self contained ecosystem of just the three of them. And I think this is the Death Grip, despite the fact that they brought in a sort of collaborator by, by object in the form of Bjork, like this is the most self contained, isolated hermetically sealed death grips album for sure mm. where it just feels like this thing that has so much going on in that in times is hard to find a way into personally but then at times it is the most personal death grips album like it is the one that i associate and in general i think the powers that be is the most personal material they've ever released especially with the all of this album and then the last couple of tracks of the powers that be including on gp especially but i yeah it's just like uh it, it there's so much contained within this 30 minutes that it, it's difficult to even pro- i mean we have podcasted now about this 30 minute <laughs> album for three times the running length of this album <laughs> like that is that is how fucking wild this album is yeah yeah, I wanted to to touch on sort of like how how that track and therefore the album ends too because I feel like um it is it is the the V drum solo full of the Bjork samples just letting both Zach Hill's skill and um the the different sort of like vocal maneuvers that Bjork is doing like really sort of sing is very impressive on its own but um sort of tying together like how it ties together the album is I think especially as I was prepping for this kind of what really um uh hammered home like why it like fits the way it does especially because that last verse that you were talking about Jackie I feel like does kind of like two very interesting things with it uh the first is that um within the context of the album it's depicting ride fully giving himself into like what he's been threatening to kind of become subsumed by for the entire album in the form of this pyre which also in its own way bookends the album with this like death ash imagery that's going throughout and then it leads his like voice echoing out into the the bjork ether almost kind of being this sort of like funeral march that leaves this kind of like haunting aura of it but the the other aspect of it that I think that like for whatever reason took years to click and did not really hit me until last night is the fact that the thing that he is flipping in this verse of all things is oh, yes. Leslie Gore's It's My Party, which is especially fascinating to me, specifically because you have an album here that this this album that we've been talking about that is specifically rooted in vulnerability and pain and like hurt emotions and this is the one 
touch point that is explicitly drawing from a point of a song about vulnerability. But this is the moment where Ride fully like flips things. This is where he's kind of taken back that vulnerability and he's he's kind of masked it again. He's shielded himself up and he instead in the moment where he's being consumed makes a point about how he hates you and this fire hates you. And it strikes me as this very sort of deliberate place where he's sort of almost uh, intentionally like refuting the, the urge to do that and goes back into that sort of mode that he is abandoned and wrestled with for the entire album. And it's, it's this really fascinating dichotomy just in terms of like source and manipulation and subversion. Yeah. It's a really great depiction of like, like you're talking about with like avoidance coping mechanisms of irony and nihilism and detachment as a way to put a wall between yourself and pain and i think that's something that like so many death grips fans on the internet at least at least i'm interpreting this in the way that like people talk about death grips on the internet and the way certain people do but like i think there's a certain amount of people on the internet that like the kind of irony like shithead uh like little stinker aspect of death grips without recognizing the fact that like i think very actively they are aware of the fact that like their 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 disconnection from reality is and he was i am this album starts with i i was conceived by my disease right like the fact that by the end of it he returns to that kind of that nihilism, that rejection of vulnerability, get get too clo- get too close, it'll lick you like it lights you because it loads you even more than I do. Is after after this whole album where he's in this fractured state, but he's kind of letting you in closer. He's also repelling you the entire time. Like this album mm. is is giving you a window into Stefan the person in a way we never have before, while also making it nearly impossible to connect with initially because of how alienating and strange it is instrumentally yeah yeah i just because i've been holding on to this the entire recording i would i would be remiss if i didn't bookend this in some kind of way where uh jackie was talking about how she had stumbled across the the concert footage that i had shot that that came up pretty readily the the other uh one other form of like my like long lasting legacy is the fact that of of all things this uh bizarre uh shit post i made in like 2015 or whatever whatever in like a haze during like a late night in college where i had like nothing better to do syncing up the the drum solo the v drum solo at the end of this to like the last scene of whiplash i know for a fact that death grips has seen it because they have included it in of all fucking things their south by southwest playlist on youtube that is what yeah (laughs) it is their their south by southwest playlist on youtube is like six performance videos one video of uh anthony fantao talking about it and then at the end that video for no fucking reason that it's still there oh my god um (laughs) I, I guess to, to book note my my like my final thoughts on this song and, and this album as a whole like big dipper obviously the outro is zach hill like i in some twisted way i kind of wish this was the last death grips album because i think mm. it would have ended on like a completely perfect note with like 
some sense of closure in my book, honestly. Like, like you know, if we're looking at the last things that Death Grip said, like their last music video is MC Ride dead on a bed. Like he, he he's fallen. The last image is him walking, like basically looking like a ghost in a cemetery. And, you know, the last words are, you know, get close to look to you, but it close you even more than I do. Of Like, if you try to get close to me, you're going to get burned. Stay back. You know, like, I, don't follow me on this. Uh, I, don't follow me to the end of this journey. And obviously just this ethereal, mm-hmm. like, V-drum outro where it's just all these Bjork samples being thrown at you. Just sort of like you're trying to tether yourself to some kind of reality and it just keeps throwing you back into the abyss just it's 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 just like this album as as you were saying jackie there's no it's not even just death rips just like there's no album that came before or after this that sounds anything like this that has any sort of like feeling like this it is completely Mm -hmm. of its own thing it exists in no time in all time at the same at the same time (laughs) It's just, it's it's masterful. It's, I, it's a masterpiece. I, I agree. I, I the one thing I will disagree is I, I do get and actually partly agree with people who say that like oh the if if they had ended after powers that be their legacy would be like untouchable forever. I I disagree with. I wish Death Grips had had just stopped like i am i am glad that they have continued to make music past the powers that be and i will defend a good chunk of the music they've released the past Look, i put steroids in my top five so you I, know I, that I, like i know i, I, know. I, I, I here's the thing it's like i am glad that they continued after this because even if i don't like all like all the material as much after this album like jenny that's a still really fun good record and i also think bookends the the death grips are fairly well but obviously like bottomless pit I have I have softened on Bottomless Pit. I kind of like Bottomless Pit a lot more now than I did, you know, when it came out, even years after it came out. Um, mm. And Steroids, obviously, Steroids is incredible, and it shows that Death Grips like still has plenty of ideas in the kitchen that they can go to and really work on. But you know, but also the fact that like as of right now, the end of the Death Grip story is Year of the Snitch, which we will not get into. But it's just like I really. Like that is the only reason I would want Death Grips to continue on at this point. It's just like I just want them to make something better than Year of the Snitch. Like, don't end your in your career on this album of all albums. But Matt, again, Matt, Matt, hold back, the, hold Matt, Matt is gonna get the hose mad again. We need we need a <laughs> pull back on the leash. No, but I, I I do agree that even though like I I think Jenny Death I, I'm higher on Jenny Death than you and think it is more important for like I I do think you really can't I, I wouldn't enjoy either of them without the other as much as I do like I I love Jenny Death because of how it is different than uh, Redacted on the Moon and vice versa like I think it really does show a two wolves sort of d- uh, uh, an analysis of of here is here is what's going on in death grips music and i and i really uh even though i would say that in general in their discography i i i lean more toward the jenny death type material that is a little more straightforward a little more toward the ex-military rock the 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 money store type stuff than i do the full abstract but i also think that like you're absolutely right that this is the most singular death grips album ever redacted on the moon is like it's just 
it's just one of one like there 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 will never be anything like this again because there isn't a performer like mc ride there isn't a drummer and musician like zach hill like even though there are times this album i wish the zach hill drumming was hitting a little more with that simplicity that you get from some of the other like i i i one of the reasons why billy not really is one of my favorite tracks on the album is because of the way that it flips back and forth between the simple drum beat and the insanely complex one and like there are some moments of this album that are like so dense that i can get lost in it but overall i think that is just it's just a pretty like totemic uh work that uh, I, I I understand why it was underappreciated at first glance, but I also am glad that like people have really come to champion it over time more and more because I think it is really really special. Yeah, yeah. To to close out with my own sort of thoughts on this, um, but before the series had started and I started kind of like dipping my toes back into the the different places in the death grips discography occasionally like over the years like mostly since year of the snitch where like was about where my sort of interest in the band kind of faded um i i would return to like maybe one or two certain albums every now and again usually like between each year and it would usually be stuff like the money store or like no love deep web things that kind of have very sort of singular sounds or impacts or like tracks that really kind of stand out to me but this one kind of like over time has become the one that like i really sort of feel myself like pulled to over time i think because of of those like singular enigmatic qualities and and the different elements of say like the poetics or the production details that are like especially sort of like things that pierce me in a very very specific like kind of like personal interest way um but also it it's felt like because the album even set almost seven years out now has like not fully revealed its secrets to me. I feel like that's only been something that's pulled me back even more just because it feels like there is still more that I can get out of this album. There is still like kind of more depths to it or like meanings I can derive out of it that I'm, I'm still sort of working through. And in the case of like prep for this is like clear that I'm still sort of like digging through what some of these lines mean and how they like connect in the arc of the album. And I feel like it's, it's been one of those things where for years I have like called this, like one of my favorite albums. And every single time I come back to it, I like enter into it being like, I don't know if that'll stick. I don't know if like, cause my my relationship with death grips is very much like of a time and a place and then i like listen to this and i'm sort of like immediately sucked back in and start sort of like find myself fully falling down the rabbit hole of what's going on here and regardless of like however i will feel about this band like over the spans of time and whatever may come next for them this is always the one where i'm like okay so i just on like a craft and production level like this is like a sincere just object of appreciation for me Mm -hmm. um unless we had any any more thoughts that that is that is it that is the episode on redacted (laughs) on the moon and of course you know uh we're not doing the powers to be combined because that would be like a five hour long podcast (laughs) jesus christ no we we literally may spend an hour alone just on the lead up to jenny death so like be prepared prepared for a very long next episode is all all i will say Mm -hmm. but to to save us some time so they drop redacted on the moon 
And then uh, a few weeks later, uh, they announce that they're over. They post a breakup note that is uh, written on a napkin. Um, let me see if I can if I can find it real quick and read off yeah. uh, what they said because this and and you know you couldn't you can't help but feel like was this connected to like the lukewarm reviews the um got probably not but like again I I think when we get to the Jenny Death episode we will like figure out like our own interpretations of what uh you know this means uh so let me pull up the note real quick uh we are now at our best which put put a put a pin pin on that put a pin on i knew you were going to bring that up i was gonna do it i was waiting on you put a pin on that real quick uh we are now at our best and so death grips is over we have officially stopped all currently scheduled live dates are canceled. Our upcoming double album, The Powers That Be, will still be delivered worldwide later this year via Harvest slash Third World Records. Death Grips was and always has been a conceptual art exhibition anchored by sound and vision above and beyond a band, a quote unquote band. To our truest fans, please stay legend. So um, they put that out, canceled their tour dates. Uh, they were supposed to open for Nine Inch Nails on like an arena tour. That Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden were replaced sound by One of Trek's Point Never, I should say. Yes, um, <laughs> but again, I, I again that that is the thing when it comes to sound that I cannot get over is that like even Death Grips themselves were like this is us at our best, and the fact that no one has really took like a look at that and been like, hey, we should maybe see why this band considers this album their best, you know, like. That's the most they've really said about the album is that like, yeah, this is us at our best. That's it. That's all we really know. And I think we should, and I think I'm glad we did this podcast. because I think we did evaluate why that is, but like, this is now I'm passing the buck off to you all to, to the critics, to the listeners. Hey, why does the band consider this the best? Like, let's, let's talk about this. Let's, let's have a conversation, which is why I'm glad that pace. Let me be on my bullshit, put this at number one, because like, it is their best album to me. Like this is the band at their best where their ideas and creativity were just the most fruitful and the most like, just again, nothing sounds like this. Nothing has sounded like it since it is a record that like is, is not influential because no one knows how the fuck to recreate <laughs> even like the minor elements of it. It's, it's, it's incredible. I really do hope once we hit like the 10 year anniversary, like this album really does get a full blown reevaluation. Hmm. Um, Hopefully at that point, some publication allows me to do such a thing. But uh, yeah, so Death Grips, they broke up or they are over. And at the time, I thought this this like breakup note was kind of pretentious. And it kind of is, but that just it comes with the territory of Death Grips. Like, yeah, of course, they're like, they don't want to call themselves a band. They're like, yeah, we're an art exhibition. Like, it's like not wrong. Like, they're not wrong. But um, again, and also again, just i i think of this note not that often but like now like i i think it's an important thing before we move on with the rest of the series like that that this is a checkoff's gun okay like pay attention it, to this it, note because it, it's, it, it's gonna it's gonna there, there are there are multiple points within this note that will come up again that will be debated again like whether or not death grips is a band whether it matters whether death grips is just a band or whether they are something more like all of this stuff is stuff that is it really sets the table for the rest of what we're going to talk about for this series what is death grips post powers that be death i mean powers that be ends with death grips 2.0 like we're we're going to get into all of this but i think this is really 
it, it is the tipping point for their their career and i think it's also perfect that we are doing these as two separate episodes not only because if we tried to do a whole powers that episode it'd be the longest podcast of all time but also <laughs> because like this is a true double album like they were released separately for a reason like these two albums are it's not like something like summertime 06 where it's like there are two discs to it and those two discs like are are separate but really you could rearrange them you could have songs from disc one on disc two and like nothing no one would really know the difference where this one it's like none of the songs on redacted on the moon would make sense on jenny death and vice versa like they are so distinct so separate and so complementary in my opinion that i think it's really great that we're gonna get that that over time we've come to appreciate both of them as as these singular achievements in their discography and i'm very excited to get into that all next week with special guest goddamn boo cannon is going to be on the podcast which is going to be so much fun very excited to have her on very excited to have had natalie on for this episode what 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 a treat yeah it was a delight to get to talk about this album that is still perpetually had by brainworms running for close to seven years now so thank you Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it for an hour and a half, and I feel like I understand more and less about it than I did at the start, <laughs> which is which is all you can really say about this album. Yeah, that's that's been my relationship to it, like, each subsequent year. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that that's it. Hopefully you all enjoy this episode. Um, you're not going to notice it because we're recording. We're putting these out weekly, but we're taking a little recording break. We, we This is, like, the fifth this is our six episodes that we recorded within like a two to three week span closer mm-hmm. to two weeks than, than three weeks. So uh, we are taking a little breather cause I'm, I'll be going, I'll be away. And, uh, but of course you're not going to notice it all because you know, we'll have these going out weekly. So I'm glad, I'm glad at least personally taking a little bit of a breather before having back in. Cause I feel like this is, this is, you know, like this is in terms of the, the main, like the first, act of the death grips arc like this is the first act that this is completed you know and so i'm excited to move on to act two Ginny death which um like i said prepare for a very long episode folks prepare for a very long episode and for a lot of yelling and disagreements and back and forth because the the contentiousness this is where it begins so it's about about to take a, a sharp uptick Yes. Uh, if you like to get mad at the computer, you're going to love these next couple episodes of the, of the series. Uh, but that'll do it for us this week. Hopefully you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, Natalie, is there anything you want to plug before we close off? Uh, not really. At time of recording, I'm kind of in uh, like dead zone with with stuff. But uh, no, this this was fun. This was plug enough. All righty. Hope you all enjoyed. We will see you all next week. And uh, bye bye. Have a sad cum, baby. Have a sad cum, baby. <laughs> have this. Have the saddest cum you've ever had in your entire life, baby. Bye bye. <laughs> It's my pyrogorophobe if I want to afford to be consumed. This pie is my costume. Get too close, it'll lick you like it likes you. Cause it loathes you even more than I do.